James Crute. Good morning. Good morning, Catherine. James is Stuff's Stuff to Watch editor. Uh, zone of interest, the zone of interest, is in cinemas today. Yes. Now, this has already picked up a couple of BAFTAs. It's got a number of Oscar nominations. I guess it's this year's All Quiet on the Western Front. It's a German-English co-production. It's come out of left field in some ways, but my goodness, it's probably one of the most haunting World War II dramas I've ever seen. And it's not about what you see. It's about what you hear and what you don't see. This is essentially a domestic drama about a commandant and his wife and their five kids who are trying to live the dream of living in the East. Uh, but they live in the shadow of Auschwitz, and he's the camp commandant. And so it's set in 1943. And so while they're um, sort of dealing with the potential that he might get transferred elsewhere and she might have to give up this beautiful house and garden that she has, there are all these noises we're hearing in the background uh, of life within the concentration camp. And it's just, I don't know, there's something about it. It really is that kind of, as it's a bit of a cliche to say, but the Hannah Arendt, the banality of evil, because it seems just, you know, these quiet, comfortable people whose his job is just the most unimaginable thing ever. Um, you know, he constructs the crematoriums for uh, Auschwitz in particular. It's based on a Martin Amos novel uh, in 2014, but it has to be said loosely. So Amos created these fictional characters in his book, which were based on real people. The director here, Jonathan Glazer, has switched it around. He, he's taken it back to, did a bit of history about uh, one of the commandants of Auschwitz at the time and uh, who Amos had based those characters on and used those real characters here. Um, there's a moment in this which puts it in a modern-day context, a bit like uh, Spielberg did at the end of Schindler's List, that is just truly haunting and just sends shivers down your spine. Um, if you've never heard of Jonathan Glazer, he, he's a bit of a Terence Malick. He's only made three films in the last 20 years, but they're all wonderful in their own way. Sexy Beast, which of course had Sir Ben Kingsley in an incredible role. Birth, which showed that Nicole Kidman could act, particularly in a two-minute scene where he just slowly closes in on her face at the opera. And one of my favourite films of the last decade, Under the Skin, which featured Scarlett Johansson as an alien going around in a, a van picking up uh, the Sc picking up Scottish men, which I know sounds bizarre, but it has to be seen to be believed. And this is another one. It's just truly stunning. Very good. Um, as, as a piece of filmmaking by the sounds anyway. And as you say, this, those subtle, the, the banality of it and just those subtle suggestions of the evil that is unfolding. Uh, right there. Now, Shogun, this has got quite the history. Uh, and what's <laughs> yes. Disney done with it? So it's 44 years since the famous Richard Chamberlain miniseries that the world was glued to. Um, and I guess, you know, it was a product of its time. I, I think, it, you know, it came right in between Roots and the Thornbirds, you know, when we were right into those, you know, miniseries which lasted 10 hours and were based on books that you could prop up, a, well, more than a table with. I think the original book by James Clavell was about 1,100 pages or something. Um, so anyway, it probably is ripe for a reimagining. Um, certainly giving it a more of a, a Japanese slant, if you like, rather than, you know, the, the very uh, British-centric or British-Australian-centric 
thing that it was and all about Richard Chamberlain's cheekbones more than anything else. Um, the, I mean, this very much digs into the whole kind of feudal Japan and the warring warlords. It's about a battle for power between five of them, a, a vacuum created by the death of a, of a senior um, monarch, if you like, whose son was too young, considered too young to rule. And meanwhile, wandering into this is an Englishman who's the pilot of a um, a Dutch ship who have been trying to hunt down the um, the Catholic strongholds. The Portuguese have basically been uh, ruling or, or ruling trade with the Japanese, and so now the, the Protestants want to get in on it. And so there's the, that tension going on as well. Um, look, it's all beautifully brought to life. There's some, some brilliant costume production design is top-notch. The one criticism I would have is that while all the Japanese characters speak Japanese and that's all brilliantly done, for some reason, all the Portuguese characters they've decided should speak English. Even as the Japanese characters saying, can you translate what this English guy is saying via your Portuguese into Japanese? And you're like going, you know, there should be three languages in this story. There are only two. And it's a bit weird. Okay, well, they need to get that amazing New Zealand company that can dub, if they don't have enough actors, <laughs> that can dub and alter the, um, it's incredible, can alter the mouth movement so that it actually matches ah. the dubbing. It's. I have, to, I have to just quickly say that Cosmo Jarvis, who's the Richard Chamberlain replacement here, his voice is so much like Richard Burton, it's uncanny. It really is. Shogun is on Disney from Feb 27th. Boiling point. I had a little squiz at this last night. Um, I don't want to call it a slow burner, but it sort of was, to be honest. <laughs> I started to get more engaged as it began to unfold. This is just episode one. It's on TVNZ Plus. And when is it live? Um, it's live today. In fact, it might there have been go. live last night. Um, I'm just trying to remember. No, I think I was on, I was on the app. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, carry on. Um, it's actually... So it's... Originally was a short film that became a feature film that is now a TV series. Now, the feature film was notable for, A, the brilliant Stephen Graham, that Liverpudlian pint-sized actor who is just a, a real fireball and, you know, well-known for his explosive kind of acting. So he played a chef who was just one night of complete stress. And the, the gimmick of the film is it was all done in one continuous take. So the whole thing just plays out, you know, as if you're there and feeling every, uh, you know, knife cut and um, disaster that unfolds. It ended, spoiler alert, but it sets up the TV series. It ended with them having a heart attack, basically. And so this picks up the story six months later, and his former sous chef is now running her own restaurant. It's had some rave reviews. It's doing quite well. But we join them on a night where the investors are in. Um, nothing can go wrong. And, of course, naturally, everything does. I mean, it, it does, they, you know, in telling it over four episodes, they've tried to widen the scope. They tell it in a slightly different way. It doesn't have that gimmick of the original. But I quite liked how immersive it is and how it really does take you inside the kitchen. I think people who are waiting for the new season of The Bear could probably check this out. It's a bit more serious. It doesn't have a charismatic lead in quite the same way that The Bear does. Um, but I but I really did enjoy the, the dynamics within the kitchen, the, the, the colourful characters that they've got, and, and just the situations that put you right into the middle of it. 
Well, what it started to do also, as I stuck with it throughout that first episode, is we went from just the, you know, the situations, the stressy situations in the kitchen, sort of Gordon Ramsay type stuff, to starting to see the backstories at home. And there's some yeah. interesting characters, including his, but there are and other I, interesting characters as well. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that I've noticed with British dramas in particular is that they they'll they'll have a workplace setting, but then they'll show that the stresses that people are bringing with them from home into the workplace as I well. Mean, the original was the Rovers' return, wasn't it? <laughs> True. Although there was, there was only Bet and what was her name? Oh, the one that could kill you with a stare. Mrs. Walker, Annie Walker. There was only two in the workplace. Everyone else just came to drink. Yes. Miles from Nowhere is on Neon, and is it also live on Sky Open? Uh, yes, it's screening weekly on Sky Open. There was a double episode last night to kick things off, but it's just all arriving round about now on Neon, all six parts. This is a great little Kiwi dramedy. Um, I, it leans more into the comedy than the, the drama, I thought. Um, it kind of reminded me of the... Um, US uh, show Rami, but also the UK um, UK series that came out a couple of years ago, We Are Lady Parts as well, partly because of the musical element to it. Mm-hmm. So it's all about a young man named, a young New Zealand Muslim by the name of Saeed. He's... Um, he, his his um, relationship goes south just weeks before the wedding. Everybody's feeling a little bit sorry for him. But then there are others who think, well, he can't hold down a job. He's got this aspiration to be a musician and he's clearly not talented enough. So there's that going on. And then he unfortunately attracts the interest of uh, um, Homeland, the New Zealand version of Homeland Security when one of his uh, fellow colleagues at the mosque uh, is videoed or live streams uh, him calling for a jihad, which is actually just an ad for a sausage sizzle supporting Syria. But people take it the wrong way. And and then he turns up on a, a TV, uh, a morning TV show, and manages to somehow make things worse. And so there's all this kind of the things that go on. It's all about the misunderstandings and misapprehensions of culture, mm. you know, on both sides, really. And it's, I think um, it's written by Muhammad Hassan, I think, who is a former yes. RNZ colleague and a brilliant journalist, poet, also. Yeah, and I think it shines. I, th- I think that really it is the writing that is the strength of this. Um, the characters are great too. It, it, I don't know. It's just nice that we're getting these kind of more diverse comedies and, and that they're working. They're probably some of the stronger ones now. I think we went through a period where we tried to sort of double down on the traditional Kiwi sitcom and it wasn't really working. So it's nice to be to be going in slightly different ways and, and they're actually working and they're funny. Very good. Thank you. Miles from Nowhere is on Neon and live on Sky Open weekly from February 21st. Thanks very much to James Crute with what he has been viewing.